0: It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon, because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get gas
1: flowing as soon as six months will be away. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero. Carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 4, Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. We've been listening attentively this week to the government's environmental agenda. (laughs) And we kept listening and sod all came out of Whitehall on the biggest issue on the planet so let's speak to our man with the industrial hearing aids doing his best to see what he can pick up he's the green entrepreneur and environmentalist dale vince and nothing so far coming in dale as i understand no
0: no no, but i did like the uh the inflection with which you said the government's environmental program because you know (laughs) there's plenty mental about it right
1: it's strange isn't it that you you kind of sometimes watch and you pick your jaw up and go Where's the discussion on this stuff? You know, they're having a, a few rows about, you know, important stuff like Ukraine. I get that. And, you know, matey comes over from Ukraine and does his thing and all the pomp and the seren, they're all laughing nicely. And um, and then there's a debate on issues about, you know, extremism. And I watched a lot of parliament this week, Dale, and obviously I cover this for a living. And I can honestly say, I, I don't think I've heard a single environmental debate mm. As my old nan would say, F- all. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Uh, what I read just recently was that the West collectively has given 100 billion to Ukraine to fight the war against Russia. And yep. that's just half the amount of money that the world's top five oil companies have just posted as record profits 200 billion in a year. Wow.
1: This is the BP story, along with all the others, right? All the others. So, like, uh, you know,
0: these vast sums of money that we seem to be able to, you know, find, partly for fighting Russia and partly for, I don't know, profiting shareholders in the oil and energy companies. What are we spending on the climate? A hundred billion would make Britain energy independent completely and, and, you know, permanently give us low energy bills and all them great benefits, you know.
1: But it's even worse than that, because I'm looking at this story that BP, despite those profits, they're talking about increasing, increasing oil and gas and Mm -hmm. also kind of either abolishing or reducing net zero targets.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Are they allowed to do that? they're beside themselves aren't they with the amount of cash that they're making bernard looney they've
1: got loads of money and pure f- your environmental agenda <laughs> yeah,
0: basically bernard looney is the boss right i mean that's a great name and and he's saying basically look we just make shitloads of money they break even hang, wh-
1: hang on sorry sir.
0: bernard looney is his name yeah that's right
1: get out of here no that's cool. mr looney is
0: running the oil company and he's having a laugh Right, <laughs> <laughs> they break even when oil is forty dollars a barrel, and and this year it's been a hundred dollars a barrel, and they forecast seventy for the rest of the decade. And so, they made twenty three billion, and they've just committed to spend one billion a year on renewable energy till the end of the decade. One billion a year. I mean, six billion, and alongside that, six billion more on on oil and gas exploration. I mean. It's a lunatic kind of plan, really, when you consider the climate crisis. But they can get away with it because governments let them.
1: That's the bit I'm confused about because I assumed that when governments made legislation on this stuff, that it was, some of it might be legally binding, you know, like the speed <laughs> yeah. limit and you can't yeah. commit murder, that kind of shit. Yeah. You might think that maybe somewhere in there, this net zero stuff that Rishi keeps talking about. He's a, appointed a minister for net zero this week. Excellent. Well, I, you know. Grant Shapps is going to save far, the planet. no.
0: I was going to say, I was going to say, the quality of his cabinet and his and his ministers, which kind of f**k would it be, right? And and Grant Shapps, brilliant.
1: Shappsy is going to solve the problems. Yeah. That's what you need to know now. Yeah. But is he going to make BP commit to net zero? And is he going to make Mr. Looney re- yeah. Same. <laughs> rethink Same, right? his targets right. on oil production?
0: The thing is, as you say, there are laws against murdering people, but what these companies are doing is murdering people, right? And they're doing it just to make money and Governments around the world are letting them do that. Nearly 40,000 people died last year in Europe because of extreme heat events driven by the climate crisis, driven by oil and gas. There's a very clear connection. I mean, the big oil and gas companies, we've talked about it before, they're in court all over the world now for having denied the climate crisis and caused it and profited from it. And, you know, the, the day of reckoning will surely come. But meanwhile, our government sits on its hands and let these guys, you know, raking in obscene sums of money while they then, you know, drive the climate crisis further and harder uh, rather yeah. than pivoting immediately to renewable energy, which they, they should have to. They should be obliged to do this, shouldn't they? They should be obliged to invest in renewable energy.
1: Well, maybe Shapsey will call in <laughs> Looney for a bit of a meeting, a powwow in the funhouse and and try and sort this stuff out. (laughs) Talking of um, courtrooms and the like, Greenpeace are threatening some legal action, and this is rather encouraging stuff. Uh, This is over the failure to meet poverty targets. You know, I'm not sure what
0: chance they really have because I read the article and they're challenging a a legal commitment from the government a few years ago that says they'll insulate basically as many homes as is practicable uh, to bring them out of energy poverty. So that's not a target, right? That's not a number. So I'm not sure how Greenpeace can establish in court that they've failed to meet their own target. What they can show is that government were using out-of-date data from pre the energy crisis and there are now some six million British homes in energy poverty which is a massive increase uh, on what it was in 2020. So their baseline was out of kilter but their target is as many as possible so I'm not sure they're going to win.
1: Yeah. It's it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I know their heart is in the right place and the like, but you know, this is this is difficult for them. This is a really encouraging yeah, It could be
0: a PR move though, right? Just to bring attention to the issue, to embarrass the government and to point out, you know, where, where they're
1: going wrong. Could be that. That's a very good point. Good point. This from the Atlantic, it's not a, a, a publication we often perm a headline from, but I thought this was encouraging. Fighting climate change was costly. Now it's profitable. We've been saying this for about three years.
0: Yeah and the evidence is all around us but this article is about a new act uh, in the US it has got some 200 billion of funding behind it uh, which which is doing the kind of thing that I've been arguing for for a long time is to is to reorientate the playing field away from fossil fuels and towards renewable energy with subsidies yeah. and and tax breaks and all that kind of stuff and according to a US industry over there just the the sight of this coming down the road has already caused 40 billion of investment and created 7000 jobs because the businesses over there can see an awful lot of money coming, being funneled into this. As I read the article, it said the IRA was uh, was making stuff happen in the US. And I was like, <laughs> what, what? What are they doing over there? What have they got to do with the climate crisis? But it's the um, Inflation Reduction Act. That, that's where the initials come from. And uh, Europe are a little bit piqued by this because... It's only for stuff made in America, and they feel that therefore the Americans are tempting European businesses to go and set up in America and make stuff. And so the Europeans are coming up with their own version. Uh, It's got a more complicated name, uh, but who cares? It's got a couple hundred billion in it, and it's all about doing the same kind of thing, basically uh, changing the uh, playing field, re-leveling the playing field in favor of the stuff we have to do to fight the climate crisis. It makes the most perfect sense
1: yeah completely uh phil on twitter says what did you make of sky's green football weekend Tell us more,
0: don't <laughs> Well, I thought it was cute. And and actually, it wasn't theirs. It was across all of football, you know, all the leagues of English football. I'm not sure if it went as far as Scotland. Uh, actually, I just don't know. But it was Green Football Weekend. And, um, yeah, I guess football came together and said, listen, we have to dedicate a weekend to this thing called the climate crisis because everyone's talking about it. And so across TV channels like Sky and BT, uh, you could see all kinds of fun things going on with some decent information underneath it really just encouraging fans to use less energy walk to a game eat the vegan option that's what it boiled down to and um, so i'd say it's a bit of fun it's a very big step for the uh, the world of football to have a weekend dedicated to this so i'm in favor of it obviously it needs to go further and we we need it more than one weekend a year and all that stuff blah 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 but uh, i thought it was pretty cool uh,
1: here's a cracking headline dale uh, firing moon dust into space <laughs> could help fight global warming
0: the idea is uh, we set up a base on the moon, we mine millions of tons of moon dust and sift it and then stick it into an electric rail gun or something and spit it out of uh, the, uh, the weak gravitational pull of the moon into a spot between the Earth and the sun to reflect sunlight and cool the Earth. Even the people proposing it say it's a bit of fun and a bit of sci-fi. They don't think it's going to happen. The cost would be enormous people back on earth are are, are a bit concerned about this kind of thing any kind of interference uh, on that scale with the amount of sunlight that comes to the earth whether it's done in our atmosphere or out in space is a bit worrying and you know you've got to understand that because if it gets out of control we might find ourselves in the next ice age
1: well yes i mean that's that's obviously the thing that needs to be avoided is exactly that
0: exactly that yes yeah
1: (laughs) Did anything good come out of the ice age apart from gloves? (laughs)
0: Gloves. (laughs) We got some nice rivers and valleys from it, I think.
1: Well, that's very true. Yes, it did sort of set the scene in some respects. Uh, Graham on Twitter says, any news on your aviation launch? And this is not about your helicopter, right?
0: Oh, the chopper. No, I mean, <laughs> no, no real news. I, I keep mentioning it here and there in interviews and stuff. We're just about to sign contracts and and launch the thing. Just go public. So, I mean, I think it'll be like any week now, uh, literally, and and it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: So, what does it involve? For those who are not aware of what Graham is referring to, tell us a little bit more, Dale.
0: Well, uh, we're going to start a zero carbon airline within about 18 months we'll fly the first probably in the world passenger flights that are proper zero carbon powered by hydrogen this is hydrogen running fuel cells running electric yep. motors with propellers on the end all of the tech is is being tested now permission was given to uh, test fly these first engines a few weeks ago and we're on a you know fairly fairly robust timetable to have the first planes in the air 12 to 18 months from now wow that'd be super cool and i've been saying for a long time that zero carbon air flight is coming you know we don't have to obsess about it when we talk about football can it ever be green and do we have to give up flying and and which comes to the heart of that that really really important issue that we can't tell people they have to give stuff up to get to net zero we've got to show them there's another way to do everything And we've done that's it, it we've it? done it in burgers yeah. cars football diamonds we're going to do it in uh, flights now
1: well, I was about to say it's That's the point, isn't it? Because for years, I think, and I don't think you disagree with this, elements of sort of environ, environmental campaigning got it wrong by not showing that that alternative was out there even if you just you know pulled out a linda mccartney pie would have been a help (laughs) but people weren't doing that you know they were just simply saying you got to stop doing this and stop doing that and the human condition just doesn't respond that well to that yeah (laughs) um you know last week when we talked you know my little boy said to me oddly this week he said did you know chips are vegan (laughs) and i thought for a second he'd been listening to the podcast then i realized he's four so he wouldn't know this but i think he must have just picked it up at school
0: yeah but you know that could come from our, our big dunk story the sky tv interview we did i mean there were 12 million people watching it and chips are vegan has become a bit of a hashtag on social media yeah there you go it could be that but look i think also i do agree with you but i think if you go back um i don't know 20 years let's say i think environmentalists could only see the problem and the answers weren't really there, just yeah, the problems. Yeah. So we, we didn't have them to offer. We only knew we had to you know, stop doing stuff. And incrementally over that 20 years – this uh, this other stuff has come into view, you know. Renewable energy was first and foremost, and it's, and it's now super economic to do that. And it, you know, it's it's kind of crossed that threshold where it's not just a, a good thing to do and a right thing to do; it's actually a cheaper thing to do. And so it's you know it's becoming mainstream rapidly. And we've seen yeah. it with electric cars, plant based foods. You know, I was thinking for a minute I'd rather face another ice age than a Linda McCartney pie, but I thought I wouldn't say that.
1: When I was a vegetarian, because you know I did this for a bit back in the day. Uh, Linda McCartney was kind of at the time the only thing. It was, was around.
0: Yeah, it was. It was actually the pies were decent, to be fair. I think the thing I'm thinking about is these uh, vegetable burgers, which actually just looked like a bunch of vegetables compressed into a. It yeah, was that
1: they were a crock a of disc. shit. Do they, yeah, they still were, make oh, that. They stuff? were awful, weren't they?
0: I don't know. Put me off. I think it put me off the name for a very long time. But the pies were decent, so I'd take. Yeah, I'd just take that uh, back.
1: No, that, no yeah, that's fair that's a fair comment though and but I think now when you think of just to go back to the point of food, if you go to a restaurant, it used to be it was quite hard to get a vegetarian choice now there's a big vegetarian choice, but now there's also a vegan choice, yeah. and that was never there before. Mm. Once people sample it, they go, Do "You know what, this actually tastes all right and then you get people opting for it when they they're, they might not ordinarily even go for that kind of uh, Dish, that's it?
0: right so we've got the alternatives now in in energy in transport and in food and actually we're finding you know the data is helping us understand that some of these things are much better for us electric cars are cleaning up the air that we breathe plant-based food is so much better for our health helping us to avoid cancers and diabetes and all kinds of stuff you know and that's another added uh, reason to change how we live because it's better for
1: us talking of food um it's u-turn corner This isn't. This is food and fur. Actually, uh, the government drops their proposed ban on fur and foie gras. I, I couldn't. You know, when you read a headline and you think, "Well, that's clearly not true," mm. but it is true.
0: Well, I read the headline and I thought, "What the duck?" Right. <laughs> You sound like Mutley then.
1: <laughs> it was a bit Muttley-esque, wasn't it? it was there was definitely a bit of it. It invoking it. the memory of the mighty Mutley there for a second. I and
0: that makes me dig dastardly, right?
1: Yeah, well, it, yeah, it might well do. I interviewed the guy that did Mutley's voice. He also did Scooby-Doo's voice. And I said to him, I said, can you do the Mutley laugh? He did a he did a little Scooby-Doo voiceover <laughs> for us. I said, can you do the Muttley laugh? And he said, it was an American guy called Don Messick. And he said, I can't do the Muttley laugh. I said, why not? He said, because I need to smoke 40 a day to do the Mutley laugh. He said, and I gave up like 10 years so ago. It not
0: a laugh, as a wheeze.
1: So Yeah, so the Mutley laugh only happened because he was a massive smoker. Wow. Well,
0: anyway, the story here... <laughs> Sorry, I digress. <laughs> yeah, the story here is our government uh, did promise to ban the import of fur and foie gras. Both of those practices have been outlawed in our country for a long time because they're so cruel to animals. With the foie gras, they stick a tube down the duck's throat twice a day and just fill its stomach with like two pounds of grain and fat, its liver gets distended. I mean, it's in awful pain. It's a horrible thing. Anyway, they promised to ban it. This week, Theresa Coffey, our our new uh, environment secretary or something, said actually it wasn't going to happen. Defra came out and said, it's not true. It's not been been shelved uh, and it's not been kicked off the agenda it's just not going to happen um, in this parliament (laughs) anything well. That's that's the same as it being shelved or, you know, canned, isn't it, right? It's just not going to happen.
1: It's the classic, you know, oh, we haven't got, they always say, we haven't got time. We haven't got time. What do they do? What do they do all day? Well, that's precisely it. You know, I used to work there in the press gallery, Dale, and this is absolute bullshit when they say they haven't got time. They go, well, you make, firstly, make time. This is not, for two reasons, it's not insignificant on the very specifics, as you rightly say, about the cruelty of fur and foie gras. It is, you know, it's just cruel and horrible. But secondly, if the government, you know, bearing in mind, Shapsy has the new gig for the man who's going to make the planet better, uh, you'd think, even from a self-interest point of view, if the government wanted to show intent, mm. this is yeah. where they would have massive support. Yeah. I don't know anybody, whether they're Tories, Socialists, Marxists, whatever, I don't know anybody who thinks we need real fur. I don't know anybody.
0: Mm. Yeah, but there are some Tories saying that it sounds a bit socialist to ban things. So this could actually be a victim of the uh, the Tories' impending election campaign, which is likely to be fought on the basis of a culture war against immigration, for example. Um, and against kind of lefty greeny things i mean and and the europe of course as well their old favorite europe um so i think it may be victim of that but otherwise i agree with you why not do something right land some policies before the election so you can say to the electorate look we did something we did that right wasn't that a good thing but no they're too busy infighting
1: well that's why they have shapsy (laughs) for what
0: I've got in my mind's eye now a marionette when you say shapsy.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And a couple of questions to finish on here. Uh, James says, uh, why can't Offgem break its own rules and lower fuel costs right now when the wholesale prices have slumped? Wouldn't that help punters?
0: Well, it would help punters, but it might bankrupt uh, some more energy companies because the, the rules um, as such are really about how they calculate the price cap. And they do that by looking forwards into the energy market in terms of price, but also looking backwards as well. And everybody hedges according to Gems methodology. So energy companies have already incurred those costs. And when the market rapidly falls, energy companies don't benefit from that. And therefore, to pass that on, would be a cost to energy companies themselves uh, and a gain to, uh, to customers. And I know a lot of people would say, well, fuck the energy companies, you know, uh, why not do that? But energy retailers are not the problem in this energy crisis. It's the producers of oil and gas that have been raking it in. 30 energy retailers went bust during this crisis, half the entire market. You know, these guys are not raking
1: it in. And a question from Laura on Facebook. Dale, how confident are you that Forest Green Rovers still has a fighting chance of staying up this season? It's been a bit wobbly. I think that's you know a fair comment, right?
0: Well, I think it's not been a great season. We're still only a handful of points off safety. In terms of confidence. I am super confident because the question was that we still have a fighting chance and we absolutely have a fighting chance. Handful of points. We've got big dunk in the building and we made seven or eight great signings in January. We've given ourselves every possible chance to turn it around. And I think that we will.
1: Good work. Dale will speak in a week. Nice. Looking forward to it that is it for this episode don't forget of course to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically leave a review there too if you want to get in touch very simply email your questions comments to zero easter at ecotristy.co.uk a really important bit here do make sure you follow dale on social media twitter.com facebook.com slash dale vince and on tiktok and on insta too Zero, carbon, east of...